This week's episode of Nerd Cognito is brought to you by The Humble Bundle. Hey, if you're looking to expand your gaming library, either through your PC or one of your console systems, you have to check out what Humble Bundle can bring to you. You'll be able to donate at a level that you're comfortable with. And I say donate because when you subscribe to The Humble Bundle, Every week, a portion of the proceeds go to support a very good charity. They vet their charities. You get a ton of games. And hey, for 12 bucks, you get AAA games, a bunch of indies, and you can really, really fill out your Steam library. Go to nerdcognito.com, scroll down the page, find the link to the Humble Bundle, and give it a shot. 12 bucks and... If you pick up one game a month you like, it's paid for itself. Plus, proceeds go to fantastic causes. You can even scale and select the charities of your choice. Again, go to nerdcognito.com, scroll down the page, find the link to the Humble Bundle, and subscribe. Now, on with the show. Nerd Cognito. Hello, everybody, and welcome to another episode of Nerd Cognito. My name is Ryan David, and I'm joined, of course, by Bert. Hey, Bert. Hey, Ryan. How you doing? I'm doing all right. Not not anything worth complaining or anything that anybody really wants to hear about. We had. Uh, <laughs> One hell of an episode last week with all sorts of friends of the show that decided to drop in and give us their two cents about the one D&D announcement. And uh, the roundtable is, uh, well, it's making some people talk and making some people think, you know, it, it wasn't all negative either. So no, no, I don't think so. I think it was a very productive discussion and uh, a lot of people online certainly from the feedback that we've received have appreciated the insights. And if anything, we gave them a different perspective to approach it from, which I think is a good thing. That's, that's what this is all about, right? Absolutely. Although, you know what, uh, having a round table discussion as our show last week means, don't you? No, please tell me as I cringe. Extra news. Ah, uh, <laughs> Let me see. One, two, three, four. No, I did a good job of minimizing the news this week. So, Fair enough. <laughs> Shockingly, it was a pretty light news week, and I tried to pick some, some fun things for the news. Although, I'm sure when we get into it, I will be sorely disappointed, <laughs> as always. <laughs> uh, today, on the show, we are going to talk about well your preparations you're going to be going on the vacation next week right where are you headed my wife uh, actually reserved a cabin for us for the weekend we're just going to get away and try to relax you know going with some friends and just going to uh kind of get back to nature fire up the barbecue and make a few cocktails that sounds like a great great vacation just unplugging and rewinding and getting the batteries sort of recharged I'm ready for one of those. I, I don't. <laughs> I don't have one. My last vacation. Well, I went and visited my mother. So <laughs> right, and you took your six-year-old son to the airport. Uh, I I did. I did. You know, he he took it like a champ, though. He walked up and down the joint like he owned the place. I can't imagine where he learned that, but. 
I, can. Uh, he he did he did a admirable job for a six year old, and then we were in hot and humid hell of South Florida. But right, it, right. It was, uh, you know, Satan's armpit. You know. <laughs> uh, in preparation for your trip, though, our first segment is talking about you know there is a trend, and. I'm not sure if I agree or disagree. I'm I'm very much on the fence with this one, but there's a trend for for folks to pack up the old board games when they go on vacation. And we're going to talk about I guess pros and cons of doing that and maybe throwing some suggestions that you can stuff into your luggage. And then we have our news. And after the news, we have a friend of the show stopping by. Couldn't make the round table last week. But happy to have him on board this week. It's Richard Davis from Explorers Guild Publishing, and he's here to talk about what I think is one of the more exciting Kickstarters that is out there right now, and it is Explorer Guild's Cobalt Quest, which is a multi-system expansion for a lot of different stuff. But it looks really intriguing, and as always, we, we wanted to hear about his process and where it came to be and let him talk about his little baby, so to speak. So Richard will be joining us on the flip side of the news, Bert. Plus, who doesn't love kobolds? I mean, they've been a staple of gaming for years, you know? <laughs> Happy kobold songs. Anyway, you got your packing done for the trip? Uh, pretty close. I'm, you know, I got a load of clothes to run and things like that. Did you pack any any board games for your trip? Actually, I did. Since we're going to a cabin, you know, obviously we're going to be out, out there a ways. We could go hiking. We could go swimming. But what do you do if it rains? Plus, in the evening, I thought it'd be fun to sit around, have some cocktails, play some board games. Nothing too crazy. Just uh, have a good time, you know? Yeah, I, I do, and I get it. I, I'm, not, I'm not here to shit on it by any means. But, you know, I, like I said, I'm very torn. Um, I see a lot of these guys and gals on the internet that are going on vacation, and they're literally packing, like, one or two checked bags full of board games for the vacation. And that, to me, I don't know. It... it, it it's a vacation, right? Again, right. you like board games and you're going to you're going to play games, but it, I look at vacations as a chance for me to do something that's outside of my normal wheelhouse. I I just I can't see myself packing a board game for a vacation. It, it it's I I don't know, it's just it strikes me as odd when I see that. Now, I'm sure you didn't go overboard like like we see you know they're they're guys no 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 nothing nothing too crazy but i i get it you know if it rains you're in a cabin in the middle of nowhere what what are you gonna do you're gonna you're gonna play a game and sit down but i also sort of lean towards the side i know i'm supposed to be a champion for the gaming hobby but i lean towards the side of i want to do different stuff on my vacation so uh, Ah, Bert. Ah. <laughs> is that your way of saying games have become work to you, Ryan? Oh, uh, is that what I'm? No, I uh, maybe you said I want a vacation with no games. Is basically what you just said. That is what I said. Oh, are they work or is it just such a 
I guess, significant portion of what I do now that that I don't view it as my unwind time. Even though, not knocking it, Nerd Cognito Group, when you're listening to this, don't give me shit about it. You know, I very much enjoy unwinding and playing games with you guys. It's just, uh, when I'm at a destination... I don't think I want to load up the table. Well, I'm not the only one who's bringing board games. The other, the other folks, well, the one guy's bringing Catan. Oh, oh, uh, see, see, not, not vacation. <laughs> <laughs> Catan is like punishment. <laughs> well, I don't know. You get a few cocktails and people, they start making mistakes. It's, uh, it's fun. Uh, Silly. Uh, uh. Well, when you're packing for your trip what sort of thing would, would you want i'm gonna i'm gonna take a step back from from i guess my personal angst regarding board games on vacation and think about what might i pack if i were headed up to the woods with a group of friends um i, I know you you clearly had to make this decision what, what's in your bag well uh, you know i have a rather large suitcase so the first thing i put in there was terraforming, terraforming mars, mars. So, Right. I'll introduce it to everybody every way I can. Mr. Terraforming Mars. But then, um, you know, we've got, I wanted something that was easy to pick up and play, something that's easy to play when you're drunk. So I put a copy of Exploding Kittens in my suitcase. Very party-ish. Got it. Right. It's a, it's a party-ish game, but it's easy to play when you're drunk and it's easy for anybody to pick up and play. Um, I put Otis in there. Not, not a huge game. Easy to teach. Very, very right. pretty, and and even though it's a little deeper, ha ha ha, right. pun. We're going underwater, but um, right. even though it is a little deeper, it's a good game because the price point is right. If you're going to introduce someone to the hobby, I like that choice. Right. Anything else? Yep. And then a couple of decks of playing cards and some things like that. Just some basic stuff. Yeah. See, see, that's that's again stepping outside of my. I'm not taking games on vacation view. I'm going to air towards smaller boxes that pack a lot of punch. Would I take a big box game? I guess it really depends on the audience. And what type of big box game would I pick? Uh, I would maybe take one. And uh, hmm, tough, tough call, but I think it would probably be a co-op or a trader game. Just because it's something that the game isn't it. You know, it isn't going to be four to six of us sitting around a table playing solitaire together and, or, or building an engine. Uh, it, it's going to be something that, that promotes sort of that interaction with the folks that I'm there. So my big box game is going to be something in that vein. Maybe a, a Dead of Winter um, mm -hmm. Sans expansions, of course, because I want to be sensitive to space. Sure. Uh, maybe something negotiation-ish, but again, that depends on the people because you get too cutthroat on a vacation and then dinner's going to be really awkward the next night <laughs> if you have the wrong, the wrong gamer with you. Right. Uh, I mean, I would never take Monopoly on vacation. That's just a fight waiting to happen. You know? No, 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 no. But I, I, again, small box games, I think, would be a good fit. Mysterium Park or Baron Park or mm -hmm. things of that nature that not only have a small footprint but have a shorter playing time I think also would be something that I would throw into the sack 
And as far as just basic card games or pseudo-basic card games, maybe mm-hmm. something like The Crew, right? It, it's effectively... Yeah, that'd be good. Yeah, a trick-taking game. Everybody and their brother has at least played hearts and or spades, so there's going to be a very short learning curve to it. Right. And and it would work, I, I think. I think it would work. Uh, again, I, I can't see myself packing the bag. What are we missing? What else would be good for the sack? Well, like you said, it depends on the group. I mean, if you're, you know, if you're going to be doing, you know, heavy drinking, a lot of party games come to mind. You know, things like that is true. Werewolf, Cards Against Humanity. Oh, um, I didn't super think fights. of Werewolf. I think Werewolf would be spectacular. But again, you got to have a group that's going to open up or have enough liquid persuasion to, to right. open up and adopt that role. And again, you're looking at a pretty sizable group if you're going to run Werewolf, too. It's, true. It's not going to be, you know, couples weekend out. So I think some some Roland rights would be a, a good option as well. They're generally smaller. Um, mm, okay. I don't I don't believe I ever pulled out super skill pinball Roland right for you. Did I? No, no, it, you didn't. It, it's it's it would be a good candidate. Uh small box about the size of a hardcover book uh and you're playing pinball on a board game and the translation is magnificent if you can believe that they did a really good job so super skill pinball could be another interesting take on on things to take with you on vacation but sure the other thing i thought about because they're easy to throw in your luggage and they are really easy to play are things like dice games like Cthulhu dice or zombie dice or um, Bang has an interesting dice game variation that I think Bang. works very well. Yeah. What's the other one? Is it what's it called? Farkle. 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 Yeah. A little more mainstream, but that could be good, especially if you're not going with a group of gamers. You know, right. I always say if I put myself in this situation and I needed to take something, here's the challenge: I would need to take something that my wife would play. Right, right. Because, you know, my wife is not a huge gamer, but she will play things like party games. She will play dice games, things like that. Right, and my wife is even a step further removed from that, almost to the point where uh, there's some resistance to it. So, But, you know, we've played Fox in the Forest together and, and a couple of other small games. She really got into Patchwork when it first came out way back when, and I got her the digital version on her tablet and she took a liking to it. So it's not an impossible task, but by no means am I ever expecting her to come down and say, all right, guys and gals, what are we playing tonight? That's, that's not going to happen. She's going to come down and make fun of us and then go back upstairs. (laughs) (laughs) That's, that's what it is. Her trip to the game room is purely to ridicule and, and that's okay. I love her for it. So interesting, interesting perspective. For, for bringing games into a vacation, but not making it sort of the, the focus of the vacation. We're, we're going to miss you next week. We we're, I'm talking to a couple of folks, and more than likely one of our, our, our counterparts is going to hop in and guest co-host for us next week. But when you get back, you'll have to give us the news and let us know just how things shook up with your pseudo quasi not really but you've got him anyhow gaming trip hey (laughs) right did you hear what i said 
the news. News. Okay. <laughs> Hit me with it. What do we got this week, right? Oh, uh, I, I, I was very busy this week, right? So mm-hmm. I went purely on headlines or skimming or things that I just, you know, happened to read during my morning dump before I got in the shower. Um, nonetheless, we've got a week of news and we're going to journey to the Steel City. You and I have spent some time in Pittsburgh. We have. We have been there a few times. And uh, Fallout 76 has announced their next major update. Now, they did tip their hand and say that they were working on something to bring back an expedition to the pit, which is the post-apocalyptic version of the Iron City. Right. But uh, they've officially announced that the next major update in Fallout 76 is going to allow players to specifically journey to the city of Pittsburgh, and they will have an entire subset of quests to do there and a storyline activities along with custom drops and, and cool things. I always think it's really neat when games try to portray real places in their game world. And right. so I, I think that this is neat, you know. Um, when Fallout 3 came out, journeying around DC was a fun time for me because, you know, we're almost lifelong East Coasters. Sure. And and Pittsburgh, while not on the coast, is certainly definitely one of the cities that, that we've we've hopped into from now and then and Man, if they do it well, it could really be interesting. Not to mention that, you know, post-apocalyptic Pittsburgh. I mean, the last time I was in that downtown metro, <laughs> it, it wasn't too far off. <laughs> sure but, you weren't in Detroit? <laughs> no, uh, not Detroit, but the last time I was in downtown Pittsburgh, Pittsburgh people do not write. Uh, it wasn't It wasn't as too far away from the Motor City, as far as both climate and just the feeling, you know, I I I I look at it like this. I, I was in Pittsburgh for an extended period of time, about twenty years ago, and I had a certain feeling if I was walking around in the city area. And the last time I was in the downtown Pittsburgh city area, I had a very different feeling as I was walking around and there were creepy homeless people staring at me from 10 feet away. (laughs) So um, I'm interested, you know, that I I like Fallout 76. I've been trying to talk you into it for years and you just won't (laughs) bite. Uh, But it'll be an interesting journey to, to see what they do with steel town and uh right i mean it's always interesting when there's a cityscape that you're even roughly familiar with in a game it makes things really interesting like you know that i'm a huge uh korean drama fan and uh you know asian film buff and uh, for example did you see the cityscapes in uh ghostwire tokyo what do you think probably (laughs) no no i uh, guilty i i have not but they were good, I'm assuming, how they did it. Right. It feels like it feels like a real like Tokyo street. Like, you know, when you see you know, when you see the uh the way that things are put together, like it it feels immersive. And that's really cool when they put together a cityscape for a real city 
and it feels like a real place when you're playing it. So yeah, we'll have to see how they do. Uh, the pit it comes to Fallout seventy six in the second week of September. So uh, another reason for me to fire up Fallout seventy six. It's been about a year, maybe nah, six months to a year. I don't remember when I last jumped into to Fallout. I sort of hop in every time there's a major update and get myself to that point, and then you know. So what you're saying is you paid a monthly subscription fee for a year to play nothing? No, 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 no. Fallout 76 is buy it and you're done. They do have a a monthly subscription, but that just gives you extra in-game currency and a couple of Uh other, like, preview features. Uh, Nothing that I need to to play the game. My character is... North of level 100, and I haven't paid a penny since I bought the game. So, I, I've I, I, I've done all right. I got my money out of Fallout 76 for sure. Fair enough. Our next article. Well, it brings me back, my friend. It does. Five, four, three, two, one. And that's about all I could play before we get a takedown of it. <laughs> In case you don't know what that is, that is the Janet Jackson hit song from 1989, Rhythm Nation. Uh, I don't know if you read about this, Bert. It is super, super amusing to me. But Rhythm Nation is destroying hard drives and creating cybersecurity vulnerabilities really the song the song uh, how apparently that there is an effect that is replicated on laptops and other speakers and we're talking things like 2005 date of manufacturer specifically related to 5400 rpm hard drives that were in the machine and the frequency in the effect in the song is causing the platters in the hard drive to vibrate and collide with the head. (laughs) That's insane. Janet Jackson is killing old computers. (laughs) (laughs) Um, That's hilarious. Yeah, there's there's a, a custom filter now that's a software fix that the old laptop manufacturers, if they're supporting the hardware, have come up with that limits that frequency in the audio pipe to to prevent it from happening. But really, that is one or two channels of support versus who knows what's living out there. So, right, yeah, you know, if you're in sub-Saharan Africa and you got a donated computer, (laughs) don't play Rhythm Nation on YouTube. (laughs) (laughs) Uh, It is just... Crazy, crazy, but it, it, it kind of is one of those things where uh, I had to laugh because something that was created well before anyone even thought of the, the this particular repercussion is wreaking havoc, um, especially to regarding hard drives. And if those hard drives have software security measures on them, which you know... Security hardware tends to be very long in the tooth. Uh, oh, yeah. It's causing some problems. So um, we've also seen, of course, the Black Hat hackers 
weaponizing this <laughs> as a resident frequency attack. <laughs> really? So uh, I was just going to say, now, now I picture some hacker infecting computers with Janet Jackson. Vladimir Putin using the Rhythm Nation. <laughs> but, uh, yeah, Miss Janet strikes again, and there's no wardrobe malfunction this time. Oh, wasn't, <laughs> wasn't that a great Super Bowl? I hate football, but that was such a great <laughs> Super Bowl. Oh, Janet. I'm not going to look up what she looks like now because I'll just be disappointed. Sticking with um, pop culture, um, you know, one of my favorite first-person shooter franchises is Bioshock. Absolutely. I, I love the Art Deco art and just vibe that it has. I love the dark horror theme. And I love the fact that uh, we're looking at a feature film adaptation of Bioshock and funding and momentum and even preliminary casting decisions have supposedly been made. Um, one of the biggest things that actually leaked, question mark, I don't know because it was seems like it was an intentional leak, is that uh, Michael Green is writing the script. And hmm, interesting. If, if you're familiar uh, Michael Green. Yeah, he's the writer who did uh, Logan. He was worked on Logan, Alien Covenant, the new Blade Runner movie, that kind of thing. Yeah, yeah. A, a good pedigree. I'm going to pretend you didn't say Covenant. And um, <laughs> also, Francis Lawrence has been tapped to direct the picture, and that's The Hunger Games, for those of you that aren't up with your directors. So it could be an okay video game movie see see we're so gun shy now because video game movies are just typically el trasho awful that we can horrible and i love bioshock so much that i don't want to get too high on everything that possibly could be um there's no real direction or information out as to where in the Bioshock universe or when in the Bioshock universe that the film is going to take place. There is a huge push, and I kind of agree with it, that it should be a prequel to all of the games, exploring Andrew Ryan and his madman's journey to build Rapture. But uh, definitely, it is now on my radar, and I can't wait to see what happens with this. Please don't fuck this up. Please, please, please. Because it could be so powerful. And the philosophy that is embedded in Bioshock, not to mention the politics, would make for a really interesting discussion, especially now in our current world. Like if Bioshock hits the right notes philosophically and visually and politically, it can make some real waves here. And we might have to drop the political wall for our discussion on that episode. <laughs> when we talk about that movie, um, I can see that there was a lot of, there was a lot of political stuff in Bioshock and that was interesting. And I, this, the, the problem is, are they going to just gut it, remove the philosophy and the, uh, you know, the po politics and just make it, you know, a summer blockbuster? That's what I worry about. Is it just going to be Big Daddy blood and guts? And I, I don't think it will, 
with the writer and director that they have on board right now. But, uh, you know, only only time will tell. So fingers crossed. I don't want to jinx it, but I can't wait. And, man, can you imagine how many middle school wannabe goth girls, they still exist, right? They're, they're not all <laughs> they-thems now. Um, can you imagine how many of them are going to want to be little sisters? <laughs> I mean, <laughs> it's, it's going to be fantastic. But, uh, yeah. And, you know, it still can have a little bit of blood and guts and some shock value, but that can't be the whole premise. It really has to be the the philosophical, intellectual end that was Bioshock. So, producers, would you kindly do this correctly? I hope so. <laughs> well, only time will tell. Sticking in the movie, Jason Voorhees is going to return to the big screen. Again? Uh, <laughs> yeah, 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 yeah. We're looking at a new installment in the Friday the 13th series sometime in 2023. Wait, are we talking about a new installment in the original series or a new installment in the reboot series? I would assume that it's going to be a, a carry forward from the 2009 remake. I would think so, too. I mean, they're not going to go back and release, you know, Friday the 13th part. 13 or whatever, you know. Although they could if they just do a very minor budget and and make it true to an 80s slasher flick. I mean, it would be fun and it would make some money if, if they Right, kept... I mean, 80s retro is huge right now. <laughs> right? I mean, g- going back to that, you know, old slasher style could, you know, could net them an audience. It worked with Stranger Things. It worked with uh, a variety of other properties these days that are set in the 80s. So that uh, that could make them some money. I, and, and it wouldn't cost a lot. And, no. you know, they market it and bill it as this is a freaking cheesy 80s slasher throwback. And if they do that, if they do that, I think that it possibly could make money. Although, I, I you know, and that's just us, you know, wishing in one hand right here. Sure, absolutely. But, um I, I, horror I, movies these days are horrible. You know, you know? <laughs> the boss and I sat down and watched a horror movie. I, I, I guess it's a horror movie. It was more of a psychological thriller. Uh, but it would be, you know, categorized nowadays as horror. And it was the first one in a long time. We're talking years. Where at the end of it, we said both said, that was a good horror movie. Uh, did you see The Black Phone I did not. I'll have to put that on my list. I'm a, you know me. I'm a huge horror movie buff. I watch horror movies all the time. But the most of the mo- most of the modern recent ones have not been excellent. You no, know what I mean, no. But this one was done and done well. And man, Ethan Hawke got old. <laughs> but uh, <laughs> but no, we we both sat back and you know I have this reputation for being rather opinionated and very hard to please. I don't know where no. that I, I don't know where that comes from, but I was not disappointed and people have been telling me for a while, you gotta see the black phone. You've got to see the black phone. And we sat down and watched the black phone and it was pretty pretty good as cool. as as my spiritual I don't know what what would Larry David be like a a, a spirit Jew? <laughs> oh, oh man, Ryan! 
Well, whatever. Us David's got to stick together. And uh, last but not least, are you ready? I'm ready. I tried to avoid it because we hit it pretty hard last week. But the Sparkle Trolls, and particularly one quote-unquote journalist that happens to write a lot of shit that either caters to or appeases the Sparkle Trolls, have released a list, Bert. Uh-oh. What's the list? The list is the cutest Dungeons & Dragons monsters. These are the most adorable monsters in all of D&D. Mm. You, di- you didn't hear, hear wrong. I'm not going to go through the list. I'm just going to tell you what the Sparkle Trolls are trying to justify as cute. So you can sort of predict what your next Sparkle Troll character will be. Among the list, the bullet. You know, oh, the land fucking shark. land shark. Yeah, no, no, the uh, yeah, the armored land shark. That that uh, that don't scream cute. The gelatinous cube. Uh, interesting in that it's the only monster I know that has corners. The owl bear. Okay, I, you know, I mean, maybe when they're small, giant owl bears are terrifying. I. Uh, <laughs> It's it's just a, a list that boggles the mind. The pseudo dragon. Okay, yeah. well, the pseudo dragon was always meant to be cute. It was a small, poisonous dragon. Maybe you know that could destroy something ten feet taller than it. <laughs> what I is, did say, poisonous. <laughs> it's a Chihuahua dragon. <laughs> it's not cute. There are some other entries on the list. Uh, the Flump, which you brought up a couple weeks ago. <laughs> I remember the Flump, you know, basically land jellyfish that fly on cushions of farts. And, <laughs> and you know, a, a variety of various cute machinations and, and constructs and things like that. What the fuck is wrong with these people, Bert? The bullet oh. is not cute. Hmm, no, I, I can't say I ever looked at that one and went, you know, uh, yeah, that's adorable. No, no, I looked at that and went, that's going to bite my leg off, you know. They look like, I'm quoting from the article here, they look like an odd mix between a shark and a puppy. So they've got that going for them. They can get rather large, but the little ones definitely could get some awes. That is actually in text. Well, I mean, I assume that a lot of monsters would be, you know, babies are cute for a reason, so you don't kill them, throw them out the window, or... Hey, they could get some awes. I think it's a typo. It's not supposed to be A-W-W-W. It's supposed to be ahs. <laughs> but that, my friend, is the news this week. Oh, cute monsters. Hey, what would you use a cute monster for in your campaigns? Uh, total bait and switch. Total bait and switch total, is good. Total, total, one hundred percent bait and switch. Uh, even better if I have some sort of sparkle troll character that I need to off. I would have it cozy up and nuzzle and get friendly, and they would adopt it, and they would pet it, and it would love them, and cuddle with them. And then when they go, and it, you know, it, it's gently sleeping on their chest at night, it would just bite their throat out. <laughs> bait and switch is always good for that the other thing is 
um, you know, depending on the atmosphere you're trying to create, you put a bunch of adorable but really dangerous monsters in, it creates that sort of, you know, creepy funhouse, like killer clowns effect and just sort of really freaks the party out. I get it for, like you said, like a shock value or a bait and switch, like I suggested. Mm -hmm. But we don't make a list of cute little monsters that we want to put in our games. Oh, look, she's bringing this monster in with her to Target. Well, I mean, everybody's got a favorite monster. You know, some of them are more obscure than others. But, you know, if you want to put cute monsters in, at least there's monsters in your game. You're not, uh, you know... Uh, planning a high school dance or something, right? Not without the Strixhaven book. <laughs> uh, we we got to move on because we've got some something very serious to talk about that is definitely going to change direction and be a positive contribution to the hobby, Bert. We have Richard Davis from Explorers Guild Publishing here to talk with us. Richard, welcome to the show. Hey, how's it going? Oh, it, it is good. It is good. We're, we're glad to have you on board. Um, I was checking out your Kickstarter just before we went on the air, and uh, hey, things are looking good. In case you don't know, Richard is the designer of uh, Cobalt Quest, uh, which was on Kickstarter, and it is ending eminently soon, so you need to go to Kickstarter, search for Cobalt Quest, um, we'll also have the link in the show notes and check it out. It is definitely, definitely worth a pledge. We'll talk about that a lot later. But uh, Richard, I, I'm, I'm glad to have you here. You have a very, very slick looking product coming to market. And, you know, we love supporting small creators. So we wanted to talk to you about it. Absolutely. Uh, I'm afraid I can't really attribute the slickness to myself, you know, I mean, I, the layout and such I did, but the art, eh, that's not my bag. Well, no, you know what, but it is your bag, because it's, it's your artist and your team, right? Okay, that's fair. And, um, no, we'll, we'll talk about the art later. I love the art for the kobolds. They are so good. It is so good, <laughs> and so not in the vein of what we are seeing with a lot of products, especially those that are compatible with 5e. So, mm -hmm. um, Bert, have you had a chance to look at the Kickstarter? I have, uh, the, the artwork is fun and, uh, it's kind of cartoony, but not what I would think of. Like, not this, <laughs> <laughs> right. But it's, yeah, I was going to say, it's not what I would think of sort of, it, it's almost got a classic cartoon kind of feel to it. Right, no, it, it, it does. It it reminds me. No, back back in my day, it reminds me of the <laughs> cartoons that I used to watch. And I used to sit there and eat my bowl of sugar and cereal. And it, uh, no, it, it's it's that higher level, classic sort of animation feel. And I don't know if that's what you were going for, Richard, but it it, it really does. I I love 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 the art style. And I don't say that very often. I'm a hard sell on art. So, uh I, I think it's a great job. Tell us a little bit about it. Where 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 did the idea come from? What's it looking <laughs> like now? And and where are we going from here? Oh boy. Well, where it yeah, came from. No pressure. Ah, <laughs> <laughs> uh, well, Funny story where it came from is basically I'm kind of like a real-life kobold where I just sort of live in subterranean dwellings my entire life. Not to say I'm a basement dweller or anything like that, but physically, absolutely. Um, 
So now, now ever... I'm not going to let you get away with that because we had a sci-fi author on once. Bert, you you remember who I'm talking about? Oh, I do. And and he came on and presented the entire course of the interview as though he was a character in his in his novel. Oh, okay, I, wow. <laughs> I get it, but you know, a heads up would have been because <laughs> okay. we we talked to him, we did the pre-interview, blah 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 blah. Hey, welcome on, and then boom, it was, it was like oh, fucking funny voice theater. and everything. Yeah. Ryan, I, I think that makes you a radio kobold. You you record from your basement, so I, I do. I re- record from the <laughs> studio slash game room in my basement, so I, oh, I'm a, a radio kobold. Nice. Hey, NPC idea, stretch goal. <laughs> oh. Boy, do we got the stretch goals, but I actually can't explain the uh, calling myself a kobold. See, um, obviously, as I was uh, in my younger years, I lived in the basement of my uh, parents' house with some of my other siblings. There were not enough rooms, obviously. So another thing that we did that's uh, turned out to be very kobold-like was we didn't have much... There's no internet at the time that was at least widespread. So we had to come up with our own rather ridiculous games because it was Michigan, and sometimes the weather was garbage. One of our uh, favorite outings was uh, going into the basement and setting up like wires and traps and everything in the basement, and then making the other ones run through it, and you had to sort of get from one side to the other without setting off anything. So uh, that just evolved over time, and we made more and more elaborate traps that would, you know, actually start trapping people eventually. No hospital trips? uh, No, actually, uh, only a couple (laughs) near misses. And that was usually during the setup, not the actual traps themselves. (laughs) That sounds like... That sounds like a blast. Now, uh, I, I'm jealous. Uh, yeah. Shocker, I was an only child. Uh, ah. but, but no, like I, I, I'm very jealous because that sounds like a blast. And I think of the things that I used to do in the basement that were in that same vein. Mm-hmm. And, you know, I didn't have anyone to trap or to spring traps <laughs> on. And so I, I ended up creating these elaborate constructions and then springing them on myself. <laughs> I can see why that would be extremely lonely, actually. Uh, why, why do I just see Ryan trapped in his basement, you know, calling for help from his parents because he strung himself to the rafters or something? <laughs> Ooh, he must have like a cavernous basement to have rafters down there. Well, I actually spent a good amount of time because, you know, my parents were young, upcoming professionals we don't want to say that term but they were and um at that point it was it was in the grandparents basement which was Ah. 70s tastic shag carpet (laughs) and a full eight person curved bar so gosh (laughs) it it was it, it was a large basement it was a raised ranch so it was the entire subterranean level that was my domain and i had a bar (laughs) with liquor (laughs) i mean it was it was beautiful and (laughs) and traps and a console tv with an nes so there you go Uh, so liquor was never actually one of the uh staples of our trap crafting game which would have made it considerably more deadly (laughs) i was gonna say there, there definitely would have been some trips to the er after that one all right so back to the quest so Mm -hmm. Where did the idea come about for you to put together this this beautiful, beautiful product? As I mentioned, the uh, kobolds were um, one of my favorite monsters uh, throughout like basically all of the uh, editions of Dungeons & Dragons. I started second, moved on to 3.5, skipped 4, and then came uh, into 5 a little bit. 
and I really liked kobolds. I like you know had them in various times. So I played one in third edition a couple times just for funsies. And the main thing that caused me to think about this was the removal of the trap crafting system from fifth edition, because I loved that about third that you could just like like I want to do this, and then there was this like wonderful charts. I love charts. You'll probably see that as soon as you open up Kobold Quest. <laughs> <laughs> Nothing wrong with charts, by the way, unless you're getting into like role master territory. In either case, the uh, removal of the trap crafting uh, chart just sort of irked me to no end, and I've just like kind of thought about it for very long, and like you know, people are just sort of like making stuff up and they have no idea whether it's right or wrong and i've noticed that the amount of traps that people use in fifth edition is just massively decreased over previous ones because there's no like understanding of how to do it or why to do it where to do it, anything like that so i figured that the kobolds were probably the best way to sort of get this out there and i thought of a very fun uh just overarching quest that they could go on but also sort of be like hey guys here's a here's a trap crafting system in case you feel like it no i i agree that traps and trap use and i think part of it is the system and part of it is the evolution of the base that is playing fifth edition mm-hmm. just sort of have gone to the wayside there's a couple other things that have gone to the wayside that, that we know about and that i've harped about for ever and ever but <laughs> no, you you're absolutely right I, i'm someone that loves a great trap and a great trap system uh i remember very fondly there was a third-party product for third edition, uh, Traps and Treachery, I believe hmm. it was called. And it did what I think you are endeavoring to bring to fifth edition. It, it just gave you sort of the bones for what you need to do to, to build these sort of things and left the, the rest up to the DM. Now, now there's a, a, a campaign component as well. Yes, there is. So basically the start of it is uh, in kobold lore, particularly in the uh, editions I'm aware of, the uh, kobolds obviously breed like rabbits because they have to. That's the only way they could survive with their uh, stature and all that. Yes. But in either case, they end up splitting up their uh, colonies uh, rather often just because it gets you know too plentiful for people. So um, this happens just shortly after one of those. And after that, the uh, rulers in charge need some uh, kobolds to take take the reign, so to speak, as the kobold champions and just sort of like be the forefront of the people and, you know, do stuff that they need to have done. So it starts off with your uh, PCs being at the near the end of those trials. And after they go through that, there are a couple uh, interconnected adventures story-wise that's a fair amount of spoilers, but you do know that at the end there's going to be a uh, heist upon a gnome fortress. <laughs> <laughs> Love it. Love it. And, uh, Heists are another thing that are very difficult to pull off. Like, a lot of people want to do them, but you have to have, like, patrols and everything, and you have to not completely bog everything down. So it took some doing to get that down to a manageable length. But at this point, we've got to a a part where basically anybody can run an actual, like, heist, which is going to be a lot more fun than just running and kill everything every time. Now, here is the interesting thing that I think is brilliant on your behalf, but also something you don't see this is compatible with five different gaming systems right or six five sticking out in my brain is it uh it's five uh the osr though is basically a whole bunch of different systems yeah right we'll just call it ad and d basic fantasy whatever right yeah Mm -hmm. so uh, how does that work 
how how do we pull that off? Because I, I can hear it right now. I have friends that are pretty solidly within the OSR. I, mm-hmm. Shock, right? I um, know. <laughs> but I can hear it now saying, they're saying it's 5th edition. They're saying it's Pathfinder 2nd edition. This ain't going to work in my gig. And I, <laughs> I, I can hear it right now. Mm-hmm. Sell them. Because let's be honest. They're the ones that are going to pony up the most money to you. <laughs> you know, it's, it's odd, but absolutely true. Uh, in either case, though, uh, so this is not like a universal system kind of thing. It's not like, here, this is going to be a small uh, difficulty check for something that they have to do with this. What I'm actually doing is I'm writing the adventure, and then I am changing every rule in it into all of those different systems. Because oh I've you know, played all of those. This is not one book. This is five different books. That's how I'm doing it. Oh, what? That's uh, commendable. I mean, I applaud <laughs> you. That's insane, man. <laughs> yeah, a little bit. So uh, I go to Kickstarter. I search for Cobalt Quest, and yeah. Um, so uh, starting at the bottom, there is the Hatchling tier, which is you get the PDF and all the stretch goals and the special thank you. The back's going to have a special thanks for all the different pledge tiers and all that in there. Uh, for 19, there is the Kobold, that is the uh, soft cover book that will be shipped to your address and also includes the digital copy. And 39 is the hardcover book in addition to all the other stuff previously. And now I specify what, what system that I yes. want? or Okay. You specify okay. which system and I'll send that book to your house. Beautiful. Beautiful. Bert, what do you think? Five systems. Five different systems. <laughs> Right, right, and and for people like you who refuse to uh, to move to fifth edition, this gives you an opportunity to get new material, Ryan. No, 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 no. <laughs> I own my share of fifth edition books. They, I, I, I just right. Won't. They they sit on the shelf. They're good for weighing down the shelves and gathering dust, but that's about they, it. They are, but Your house uh, you will know, not I'm blow not, away. No, no, I'm not <laughs> playing Pathfinder either. Um, and and inter- interestingly enough, if I was going to run this, I would probably use the fifth edition rule set for for this particular product because I just see it as a better fit, and I don't know why. That's just my like my gut is just telling me. Okay, if I'm looking at this, I'm not going to run Pathfinder. I'm not going to run uh, you know AD and D with this. I, I'm going to run fifth edition, and I can't justify that thought but it's just where i would go i do actually have a theory on that um so i've i've played osr obviously as i said i started in second edition and uh the art is very very different as far as like style and theme goes uh as uh, you mentioned the art is very cartoony for this one which it wasn't so much back in the older ones there was like a very like a roughness to it that this does not exhibit and so art wise i would say that and also the like one of the main selling points of why I made it in the first place was the trap crafting system, which is for fifth edition and also a uh, cogent roleplay because it doesn't have one either, but that's an extremely rules light system. That's why. Well, you've done something that very few people would be able to do. And that is, uh, you know, say, Hey, here's a product that makes a pretty terrible overarching <laughs> uh, monstrosity somewhat better. Um, and I, I, again, I don't know what it is. And when you say it with the art style, I, I don't know if that's it. Like, I get a Darkest Dungeon sort of vibe from it, which I also dig. And Good, good game. Uh, 
Yeah, no, I, I just, fifth edition is sort of where I would pigeonhole it. And uh, obviously you can make your choice. Five different systems. Mm-hmm. What else What else you thinking, Bert? You know, as somebody who's in an active Pathfinder campaign, I could see this being a big help to my group for that. So, uh, you know, because there aren't a lot of good guides to traps and designs. Sometimes you'll see them in modules and things like that on a playthrough, but they're already established. There's no like definitive guide to sort of building your own. So if this includes that element, it's going to be great for DMs who want to design a dungeon or, um, you know, create a keep, that kind of thing. So I can see a lot of value in just the trap component, but also, I mean, who doesn't want to play a kobold? They've been, you know, we've been, you know, players have been torturing and killing them for years. It's a chance to get some of your own back, you know? (laughs) (laughs) Well, you certainly can. Again, Kickstarter, search for kobold quest. I highly anticipate it when it comes out. And come on, don't be cheap. Go and spend a dollar at a place that is not one of the big boys. We need to support independent content creators always, and I can't think of a better way to do it, especially now. We are in literally the last hours of of this campaign, so you will directly be impacting whether or not a stretch coal gets hit here. So even if you're at the PDF level, I think it's like nine, 10 bucks. Uh, come on, not life-changing money. Check it out. Cobalt Quest on Kickstarter. I am super excited. Can't wait to see what this looks like in its final version when it, when it all comes out. Uh, what's your release timeline look like, especially for your actual uh, tangible materials? Mm-hmm. So everything is uh, set to be done somewhat shortly after the uh, campaign ends I've gotten uh, 30 or 40 pages of it written already and the physical goals are uh, set to come out I believe it's January 2023 that's not so uh, far off that's that's very reasonable Mm -hmm. I mean I've waited four years for a board game oh my gosh (laughs) Uh, I have not (laughs) um Uh, Yeah, I always, uh, whenever I do anything on Kickstarter, I strive to have as much done as possible before the end. Richard Davis from Explorers Guild Publishing. Thank you so much for for swinging by the show. You're welcome. uh, Next time you got something cooking, uh, let us know, and we will definitely talk about it. And when Cobalt Quest definitely hits, you know, we will uh, give it a shot. uh, Bert, I can definitely see us giving this a shot. It's like a six to ten shot sort of like mini campaign. Yeah, I mean, absolutely. I mean, who doesn't want to, you know, be the little the little guy, the underdog once in a while? And Cobalt <laughs> are definitely that. Um, in every sense of the word. Or maybe even as a one-shot, right? Well, actually, there's kind of a funny story about that. Um, and speaking about the unique things about the Cobalt quest. Uh, so it's separated into various chapters for all the story beats. You know, it's pretty standard for uh, one-shots, that kind of, or sorry, for uh, modules, that kind of thing. But actually, at the start of each of these uh, story beats, is going to have a specific description of how to run this as a one-shot, like the small alterations you have to make to the story in order for it to start here and for it to end at a like satisfying point after that session. That's spectacular. Look, it's, it's almost as though you knew that I was going to say. No, that's great, because I can see people wanting to pop in and run this as a one-shot, and I can see that sort of as a way to dip the toe, too, Mm -hmm. if we were going to do it with the Nerd Cognito group. Absolutely. 
you were talking about being close to a stretch goal. They're less than $50 away from the next stretch goal. So if you people get out there and order, you know, you've got you give Richard things. shit to do. <laughs> exactly. I, I applaud it. I write like crazy and I will continue to do so. <laughs> well, thanks again, my friend, for stopping by. We'll talk to you soon, Rich. You're welcome. It's been great being here. I'm always thrilled when folks drop by and as always with, with our guests and friends of the show, uh, great discussion, awesome product, uh, definitely something for everybody to go check out. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, get, get out there, get on that Kickstarter, you know, help them hit those stretch goals. Nine, and, 10 I mean, bucks, looks, hit the stretch yeah, goals. I mean, there's only, there's, there's minimal time, like a day, get on and, and go check out Cobbled Quest. Cobbled? Cobalt. Cobalt. I just, I just, I just turned into twelve-year-old me. I called them cobbles. Cobbles. <laughs> uh, and and legitimately, I that that was driven into my brain, and it stayed with me. Uh, obviously, uh, up yeah, until now, fun. like I have to make a very, very conscious effort to say cobalt. <laughs> I really do. I really do. You know. Uh, one of the guys at the Nerd Cognito group, you'll you'll have to you'll have to ask uh, us about it. He'll he'll tell you about my uh, my affinity for cobbles, and <laughs> and, and uh, he will ridicule me and razz me and bust my balls as any good group member should. But that is our show for the week. I think uh, a pretty decent lineup, all things considered, Bert. Absolutely. So we want to remind you, if you want to stay on board the Nerd Cognito train, make sure that you go to the podcast provider of your choice. You're, you're listening to us on one right now. Uh, and make sure that you subscribe and like and share and retweet and get the word out about Nerd Cognito. We can't do it without you. We certainly appreciate you throwing us those five-star reviews. We even giggle when you throw us the Sparkle Troll one-star review, too, because, hey, there is no such thing as bad press. But uh, whatever you do, make sure that you are dialed in and subscribed so that you do not miss a single episode. But uh, that's all we've got for this week. We're running short on time. Bert's got a vacation to go to. Uh, my name is Ryan David. I was joined by Bert, as always, and we thank you and can't wait to talk at you next week. Be safe out there, folks. <laughs> <laughs>